0: UCToday.com Hello and welcome to a brand new podcast series from UC Today, specialising in Cisco Spark. Cisco Spark is one of the largest and most popular collaboration platforms globally. So this podcast will aim to bring you all the latest news and updates. I am joined every month by an expert guest, Jonathan George. Jonathan is a pre-sales consultant working for Meeting Zone and he specialises in collaboration platforms and Cisco Spark in particular. In this first episode, Jonathan gives me a history and an overview of Spark. Have a listen. Good morning, Jonathan, how are you? Fuck
1: okay, you, Patrick. How are you?
0: I'm not I'm not too bad, thanks. Thank you very much for coming on this brand new series of Out Loud, where we discuss a big platform in the collaboration space, which you are, if you don't mind me saying an expert in, which is Cisco Spark.
1: Yeah, well that's great. Really excited to be here, Patrick, and thanks very much for the, uh, for the opportunity to come and, uh, and talk to everybody. Um, yeah, um, Spark's, you know, lots of stuff happening around Spark, been around for a little while, the whole space that that product plays in is, is warming up, so uh, yeah, it's a really interesting time to be in, uh, in collaboration.
0: So w- one of the things that we were talking about when we were discussing this potential episode was w- w- when did Spark start? What, what's what's the b- sort of brief history and overview of the of the product?
1: Yeah, so Spark's been around. Cisco um, originally launched Spark back in November 2014. Um, it wasn't called Spark then; it was called Project Squared, um, and it was a it was really Cisco's. Um, entry into this team messaging space, a topic we'll we'll talk about in in a minute. But Spark at the time was, there was this team messaging product, um, but it was also built on a platform. And you'll see lots of the the vendors in the the market these days have got this platform. And the Spark platform was originally designed with four key tenants in mind. Um, And those tenants were at the time called iteration, fusion, security and integration. And the words have, have changed, but the, the fundamental basis on which the platform is built have have not changed. So iteration is, is about the agility, and the fact that releases come out on a very, very frequent basis. There's no, you know, okay, we've got to wait six months for the next release of features. That agile development methodology. Um, security was, was built into the platform from, from the ground up. Um, fusion was the idea of, of how do we merge sort of cloud and on-premise together, now that the word is used is hybrid services. And integration was about the, how do we extend the platform with the, with the APIs. So, you know, it was, it was built back in November, you know, 2014 with those things, you know, very firmly as, as the foundation pillars for it. And as I say, that's what they were called then, but, you know, they, their names have changed, but the intention remains very much the same.
0: And what did you say it was originally called?
1: It was called
0: Project Squared. No, no wonder they changed the name. Spark is a <laughs> exactly. lot catchier than Project <laughs> Squared. I th- yeah, okay. Um And one of the things that again we we were discussing before, an analogy you used. What was the what was the driver for for, for Cisco releasing uh, Spark or, or Project Squared as it was then, and, and that development part?
1: Yeah, so um, I think that and this, this plays into this whole, you know, whatever you call it now, and, and I think the industry is still, you know, trying to struggle to work out what the what the agreed name is, It, you know, whether it's team messaging, teams collaboration, work stream messaging, work stream collaboration, persistent team chat, there's lots of, of, of names out there for it, but basically lots of players that, that want to play in that game, um, but they all approach it from... An analogy that I've I've used before, which is this, this idea of um, a project or war room. So whether they're called channels or spaces or rooms, it doesn't really matter. The, 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 the experience we're trying to virtualize is this project or war room. So you're not old enough, Patrick, but, but I certainly am to remember the days when we all worked in the same office at the same time.
0: I thought you were going place. to say not old enough to remember the war. And I, <laughs> <laughs> no, but and we discussed this before. I, I very recently watched uh, Darkest Hour, the Winston Churchill film. And that's why when you said war room, that really, you know, because obviously he had the war room with Chamberlain and everyone that was critical to the, the project, as it were, in one space. And that's what... Spark is trying to recreate, isn't it, except virtually?
1: Yeah, I mean, in fact, all of the, the, the products in this space are trying to recreate that environment, where basically if, if a project or task was important enough, what we would have done in the old days is we'd go and find an empty office in the, in the, or an empty room in the office, and that would become the, the project room. When you got there, there was nothing there, and you'd put a label on the door that said Project X, and the people that were going to work on the project would get up from their desks and they'd move themselves into the room. And when, they, when the project started, the room would be empty, right? But over time, the whiteboards would get written on, the flip charts would be written on, they'd stuck to the wall. You'd have those funny little yellow post-it notes stuck all over the place. And it was the place where the project lived. Um, and that's really what, you know, these, the, the products in this, this team messaging space are really trying to, um, to address. How do we virtualize? We virtualized everything else, you know, your desktop and your inbox. So let's take that project room the place where stuff gets done and virtualize that and bring everybody together so that that's where the place ha- where, where stuff happens, stuff gets done.
0: And, and what, what did that early, what did that Project Squared early product look like in terms of front facing chat box and then they've added on additional features subsequently?
1: similar to, to the way it looks today. You know, then the, the user interface has, has changed. But again, if you look at most of the products in this space, the user interface is pretty... They've all got a similar look and feel. It's a bit like email clients all look a bit like Outlook, right? In terms of that, was the, it's become almost like the de facto...
0: That's the ubiquitous... Well, it, yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely. So, um, it you know, it started very much with that team messaging capability very first and foremost. But it was always going to be a mobile first experience cloud delivered as the the key delivery mechanism for that
0: and as you were mentioning before when cisco initially started this they had those those four pillars and as you said that you know the wording might have changed slightly but one of those obviously was was iteration and and ease of use and the humanitarian side was was a key focus for cisco wasn't it Or the human engagement side of the product yeah
1: i mean so so if you think of team messaging delivering that asynchronous communication method, so, you know, we post into a room, you know, you, you reply as and when you, you pick it up. The stuff that used to happen in email, right, but, you know, we all know that the conversations about email in terms of, you know, we all get too much. I mean, if I ask you a question, you know, do you want to get more email? I pretty yes, much guarantee yes. what your answer will be. You know, email has become the, we've become slaves to our inbox, you know, where where these, these disjointed threads of communication happen. Um, so, so all of these products are trying to move that. Okay, how do we move that asynchronous channel of communication away from email into spaces, rooms, channels, whatever they're called, where we can work together on particular projects or tasks or, or whatever it is that, that we're actually working on? So, the the idea being that you know, so we move that that communication out of out of that email capability um, and move that into and and you know, there's a lot of debate at the moment about how do you handle this signal versus noise, you know, how can you, if you, if you end up in a room that's too busy, then you end up with too much chat going on. And how do we, you know, how do we, we filter that out? There's lots of debate about how, you know, lots of different approaches to, to address that. But that asynchronous communication is there. Cisco's heritage is, is very much, in that whole real-time meeting, video, in-person-like experience when I can't actually be there. So again, if I go back to my project or war room analogy, sure, the, the people got together into the, into the room and they, they got work done, but that room was also the place where, where meetings happened, whether they were scheduled meetings, ad hoc meetings, or just chats amongst people that happened to be in the room at a particular point in time. And again, you know, Cisco built that real-time element into Spark right from the, the very beginning it wasn't like a oh okay we've done team messaging now let's add video and that meeting capability into, into the product it was already there designed from the ground up
0: and, and that brings us on nicely to the, the conversation we're having now is taking place over spark and the, all of our initial discussion took place over Spark, didn't it? You you invited me in. I wasn't a Spark user previously. I downloaded the mobile phone app, first of all, and was able to communicate, you know, through chat with you. And as, I, as I've told you before, as a complete technical dummy, you know, there was absolutely no difficulty for me for doing that. And then I downloaded the desktop app and now we're chatting over that. So that the whole feel was very simplistic from a user perspective and very effective in terms of communicating with a, with a team. You know, we're not in the same business. We're, you know, different organizations. But that cross-organization communication was very straightforward.
1: One of the key um, strengths of Spark is the ability to bring external people into the, into the space, just like I did with you. I had your email address. I invited you into a space. We started the discussion. Um, in terms of you know what we're what we're doing today, in terms of having that and that you know we had a, a call. I don't know when it was last last week, um, where we had a video call. You know, you, you I think you have been, been out. You started the call on your your mobile device. You know, and then we moved it to your desktop seamlessly. Um, I'm sure you're not as much of a technical nutty as you claim to be, um, but that I can assure you, I am very easy.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you're right. No, that was very easy, and it was a good. It was a good demonstration for me of uh, of the product itself. And, and I used it when I went to Enterprise Connect last month to communicate with different people there. Um, you know, I didn't, you know, we didn't have mobile phone numbers, all that sort of thing. We did have email addresses and we were all added into a, a Spark chat. So that, that made a lot of sense from that. Um, one of the things I was interested in is obviously I have... A functionality of Spark now and I, I, I you know I don't pay for Spark how does the, the models work in terms of consumption from a Cisco perspective
1: so a lot of these again you know if you look at the, the market a lot of the products in this space have a freemium model right there, there there has to be some way of, of getting people into these conversations without somebody having to pay for a license or, or do something so, so a lot of them will have a freemium model and spark is no different so anybody can go and download spark you know from either uh, you know, an iOS or an Android device, um, basically, you know, get at Spark from wherever you are, whatever device you happen to have in hand. Um, anybody can go and download Spark and start using it. Um, I've, I've invited you into a Spark space, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you could have a Spark space with your colleagues at see today without me being involved. They don't need to, to do that. Um, then there's various license models that add incremental functionality on, on top of that. You know, the, the at the top end of that spectrum is what Cisco call an M three license, but that gives you the the meetings capability, including WebEx as well. So the ability to to bring all of that that meeting experience together. That's not to say though, you know, in the freemium version with up to three people in space, you can have a video call without paying anything to anybody. You know, that that there's there's very good. You know, it's always an interesting debate, I think, with these vendors about how much do you give away for free and what do you charge for that adds value to it that people are going to be prepared to pay for to uh, to use the product.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it tends to be what I found previously, and I don't know whether this is the case with Spark, is that it only tends to, they only tend to charge for it when it's those enterprise features and you want to use it across an extremely large organisation because they do tend to, like you said, they're encouraging smaller businesses and, and users in, aren't they? And then it's it would maybe be chargeable if you need something on an enterprise scale.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I don't think, you know, there, there's not a, um, a view that says like, you know, in order to get the value out of Spark, everybody in the organization has to be using it. You know, this small team project collaboration is very much still the use case. Um, you know, obviously the, the more people you've got on spark then the bigger your communicating groups are and, and you know the more value you, you get out of it but that doesn't mean that you can't start with a with a small team and actually get value from from that product so you know it isn't like a okay well I, you know I've really got to you know go and, and I've gone from nothing to go from having everybody using it and that, and I, I think it leads on to another interesting point as well. That there's a lot of talk about these these types of technologies growing virally. You know, the, the idea of the build it and they will come. You know, all I'm going to you know, so I'm an organisation. I'm going to give everybody spark, and I'm going to sit back and just watch the collaboration happen. Yeah, you know, that isn't going to work in, in in with these types of products. The and that, that's you know something that our, we at Meeting Zone um, take great pride in. is, is driving that adoption into the organization that use it to get the value out of it is a really key element irrespective of what the technology is or what product you choose that adoption piece is, a, is an absolute key element to anything like this because changing the way people work is a really really difficult thing to do you know we touched on email just now you know getting if I've come into work for the last 20 years and the first thing I've done is open my outlook email inbox as the first thing I do every day changing that behavior is a really tricky thing to do and there's they're only going to do it if there's a what's in it for me. What value am I going to get out of it, right? How am I going to do my work better, simpler, easier, quicker? Whatever my, you know, whatever is important to me
0: personally. Yeah, absolutely. And we discussed this on on various episodes of the podcast previously. That that user adoption piece is critical to uptake of any you know technology platform, isn't it? So that's critical. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to do this as a, as a as a regular podcast because obviously Sparks a massive platform alongside teams and slack and, and other competitors in the space and we want to provide the listeners with with regular updates for what's going on so what's been the sort of most recent focuses by cisco in, in terms of spark and recent developments I, th- I know you were mentioning security but i just wanted from you what's the sort of latest news over the last few weeks of, of what's been going on with spark
1: yeah and i think um... You you mentioned that you were you were back at uh, Enterprise Connect um, recently. You know there were some some pretty exciting keynotes there. I think the um, I was listening to, to one of your other podcasts with a couple of the analysts that you did out there, and that the you know I think the, the Microsoft keynote this year was the one that that grabbed everybody's attention, whereas in previous years Cisco's keynote had grabbed the attention, and I think by you know the, the view seemed to be that Cisco's keynote this year at Enterprise Connect was a little dull and, and anemic. I think was the word that I heard used to uh, to describe it. Um, it was delivered by Jonathan Rosenberg, the, the CTO from from Cisco. Um, his focus was very much on this whole security piece, something that's very much in in the news today. You know, very you,
0: topical. You the,
1: yeah, Cambridge Analytica, Facebook, all of that other good stuff. You know, where's the data? Who's got access to it? How is it encrypted? This whole thing about end-to-end security. So that's not a, you know, that's not a whiz bang exciting feature. You know, Cisco have done a, a little bit of that in the past. Last year, Enterprise Connect, they had this whole virtual reality thing. It's, it's interesting, cool technology, but again, it's only going to deliver value there. So I think the the reason that, that Cisco, you know, weren't delivering that that whiz bang pitch at, uh, at Enterprise Connect is that they have their collaboration summit coming up on April the 18th in Phoenix, Arizona. So I think a lot of the the new announcements that you're going to see around around Spark will be they've been waiting, keeping their powder dry until that collaboration summit event in uh, in April. Um, So it'll be really interesting, you know, when we when we do the next one of these, that you know there'll probably be some um, some more interesting stuff to talk about in terms of of what's coming uh, there. You know, I, I viewed Enterprise Connect this year as Cisco very much consolidating their position and saying, okay, look, this is Spark. We've got this that, yeah, the user interface and the user experience is absolutely crucial to it. Um, you know, how many emojis you go on the support is interesting, but that doesn't drive the, the real value here. So it's combining that user element, that security element from an IT perspective. How do we bring those two things together? Um, so that was their, their position then. April 18th will be, be interesting. You know, there's Rowan Trollope is doing the, the keynote there. You can register for that online and, and view that. I'll certainly be viewing that and seeing what, seeing what Cisco have got to say. And then the other thing is that Cisco recently closed their acquisition of Broadsoft. Um, so that's going to be, how that plays out is going to be really interesting and how that Broadsoft proposition, that leader in, in that cloud calling capability, how does that weave into the into the Spark story? So that's going to be interesting um, to see how that plays out.
0: Oh, brilliant. Well, it sounds like we've got a, potentially a very busy month to come. But you've provided an excellent overview and, and background of, of the product. And as you said, people can go and download Spark, can't they, on the App Store or, or on your Android Store or, or download the desktop client and you can have a play just, just, as, just as I have done. Um, so that, that's, some, that's one really good way to see the product. And we'll get an update probably you know this time next month, maybe at the end of April, where we can review all of the news that's, that's come out of the, the Cisco event.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, definitely encourage people to uh, you know to go you know download dot cisco dot com is is the place you go to 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 go and get it. Give it a try. Um, you know, I look forward to continuing our conversation in a, in the Spark space that we've got. Um, you know, this has been a for me a you know a great experience in terms of this podcast because I although our listeners are only getting the audio portion, you and I can actually see each other. You know, I'm I'm at
0: home. You're at home. I don't think they're um, missing yeah. anything there in terms of the video. To be honest. <laughs>
1: Well, it, it's often been said, Patrick, that I have a face for radio, so... Uh, yeah, well, so I'm,
0: I advice. also have a face and hair for radio, so we're, we're OK there, John, as long as we keep it as it. But thank you so much for coming on the pod. I really appreciate your time. That
1: was great. Be a uh, pleasure and look forward to the next one, Patrick. Thanks
0: very much. Huge thanks to Jonathan for giving us the full introduction to the Spark platform. I'm very excited to catch up with him next month after Cisco's Collaboration Summit, which, as he said, takes place on the 18th. No doubt there'll be loads of exciting news to come out of that and updates that we can bring you on the platform. If you have any questions uh, about Spark for Jonathan, get in touch via LinkedIn or Twitter at UC Today News and we'll put those questions to him. That's all for this episode, though. Thanks for listening.